Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. It's 938 and this is Dean Richards, Sunday morning, marathon morning. We uh, join in as we always do, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Now, see, I would have thought you would have been out on the course, uh, you know, like at mile 11 by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I pulled a hamstring right at the beginning, so I, <laughs> that's, I decided. <laughs> that's me. That, hey, that's my excuse. <laughs> I got. I have a bum knee. I have a pulled a hamstring. I have a. I got a million excuses for not being in all of this. Um, you know, people who are in it are in uh, you know pretty good physical shape. Hopefully, they trained uh, properly for all of this. But uh, what what kinds of things? You know, if uh, I'm, I'm sure we don't have runners that are listening, they're probably a little busy right now, but family and friends might be. What are the kinds of things that after somebody does 26.3 miles uh, that they, you know, ought to be aware of health wise? Yeah, Dean, it's interesting. You know, you said you hope that people train appropriately because that is probably one of the biggest things is um, how do people train and how are they ready for this race? Because you know, it's quite emotional, I think, when you start this race. Anybody that watched it on TV, you have a, I don't know how many people are running. It's, what, 20,000, 30,000? I mean, you look at that, and there's a lot of emotion there, and people also have to make sure that they take a step back and understand their physical capabilities as well as their emotion. And, and that's what I think the people need to understand the most is running 26 miles is not easy on one's body. So certainly the training to make sure that you can do it and then when you're actually in the moment, listening to what your body is telling you as you're running. So is there, uh, you know, a, a, any post-run uh, procedure that, you know, people should go through? Do they uh, just, you know, I completely chill out, which is what I would do. do. Do they eat certain things to try to replenish things that they might have uh, burned off while they're, you know, they were out on the course. I imagine they're pretty dehydrated at the end of all this. Well, yeah, you know, a good runner will try to stay hydrated throughout the race, but certainly, as you said, you know, that after the race, what has happened, you just beat up these muscles and not only muscles in your leg, but in your arms and in your lower back. So certainly the chance of dehydration is, is definitely there. And so we really want to make sure that we hydrate, we want to make sure that we replenish the carbohydrates that you just used through that race. And now we want to go, okay, what period of time does it take me to rest these joints and these muscles before I start to get more, to get active again? And I think that's probably the most important thing is letting your body rest for a couple of days after this. Um, many will say, gosh, I got that runner high and I want to go back out. Right. But certainly not the best thing to do. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, just for the the regular uh, you know, somebody who's uh, running at the gym, maybe running a 5K, maybe just around the block, uh, similar type of preparation? Absolutely. You know, I think people need to understand that the prep is probably more important than the race. So certainly we look at runners and know if you can do the race that you're going in for. And also, how do you train? You know, we look at the pounding on the knees and the pounding on the hips and the pounding on the back. So make sure that the enjoyment that you're going to get out of it is not going to do damage to your body. You may not have the body for a runner. You may have the body for a swimmer. So, you know, it's one of those where you need to look and make sure that what you're doing is not going to harm yourself more than the recognition or the, or the feeling of excitement that you're going to get 
by performing in the race. What about just, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, getting getting their proper steps in, maybe somebody who's just going to go to the gym a few times a week? Uh, what kind of preparation does that person need uh, before they go and do, you know, like an hour of fairly vigorous workout? Yeah, you know, we talk about, you know, the importance of 10,000 steps a day and doing it at a rate that is getting you to a point of not only good for your muscles, but also good for your heart. But people have to make sure that they're at that point. You know, even checking with your doctor before you're going to get into any kind of aggressive exercise is very good. You might have risk factors for heart disease that certainly should be evaluated prior to really getting into even running a 5K. Individuals who are out walking, you know, if you're walking at a pace where you're going to get your heart rate up in the, you know, 105, 110, 120, you know, certainly you want to make sure that your cardiovascular system is ready for that. So the individual who watched the race today and said, man, this is my motivation to get off the couch and to start to go do things, start slow and make sure that your heart, your back, your, your knees are ready for whatever exercise you're going to plan on doing to help yourself you know, in the cardiovascular point of view. Now, I know that, you know, before runners go into a marathon kind of situation, they carb up, they eat pasta the night before, you know, just all things that, that they will need while they're out on the course. Does the average person who's doing a workout at the gym, uh, you know, in their home gym, in their house, whatever, do they need to uh, carb up? Do they need to eat or drink certain things before a workout? Or what about after the workout? What, what do you eat or drink to optimize it all? Yeah, you make a very good point. You know, the people that are carving up for this big race, it's obviously because it's not something that they do every day. They're not running 26 miles. Many of these individuals will run 10 miles. And those individuals, really, the uh, athletes that are planning for this, actually do eat appropriately and make sure that they're eating a high-protein, high-carbohydrate diet, you know, as they're going through their exercising process. And when you come back and finish as well, you know, you finish the race, and it's kind of interesting. People always say, well, why do they give beer at the end of these? And and one of the reasons is because beer is a great hydrator as mm. well as very high in carbohydrates. Mm. Um, and so it's, people see it as a reward, but actually it's a good fluid for people to take post-race to replenish not only the carbohydrates, but some of the, the other fluids they lost. So are you telling me that when I go to the gym, I should take a six-pack with me? Um, maybe not a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm shocked that you even were going to allow me one. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, th- these are all good things to know, you know, as we're, we're, we're getting into that season, aren't we, where... Uh, you know, right before the holidays, we we start to pack it on, and then we think, "Ooh, I better, you know, try to balance this off a little bit." So people are getting back into the gym. These are all good things to kind of keep in the back of your mind, you know, for all, all, that kind of activity that's going to take place. Um, there are a few COVID items I want to get to this week. I want to talk about the flu shot also because we are we are right in, at the beginning of get your flu shot season. Dr. Kevin Most uh, on the line with us. Going to get to your questions as well, uh, both on our text line and on our call-in line, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200, right after this. I am super excited for their holiday show that they always put on. They always have a very uh, family-oriented uh, show that runs for the holiday season. And I believe it begins right around the beginning of November. I don't have the exact dates in front of me out at the Paramount, but the Sound of Music 
is going to be playing out there uh, right around, I want to say right around November 10th, something like that. I uh, can't wait to go out and see it. Can't wait to take you out there with me to see it uh, and uh, talk more about that because that has uh, always been one of my absolute favorites. Another of my, one of my absolute favorites, Dr. Kevin Mose, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital at 949. And uh, Dr. Most, where are we uh, this week? I haven't heard a lot of uh, uh, COVID news this week. I, I guess that's a, a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. You know, our numbers, uh, certainly numbers in hospitalizations have really been steady here probably over the last, well, I would say, probably eight weeks. And really the only news we're hearing is this the sub-variant that we talked about a week or two ago, that uh, BA 4.6, which now... At that time, it was about 2-3%, as now has crept up to the 12-13% range countrywide. So we're starting to see these new sub-variants coming, and hopefully our exposure to BA4, BA5 with infection, as well as those who got vaccinated, will protect us from this sub-variant as well. Yeah, I got tested uh, yesterday. I would mentioned that I was in Los Angeles uh, in doing some interviews, I interviewed uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson there and uh, Pierce Brosnan, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, it, normally, as uh, when we do these in-person interviews with the A-listers, you have to get tested first, make sure everybody's uh, negative, and then you can go in to the room and uh, do the interview. So uh, I was uh, you would have been proud of me how many times I got swabbed yesterday. Did you get swapped for each individual interview or just once? Well, they were, a couple to... were in different places, so I had oh, to okay. got yep. swabbed in one place, yeah. and I tested negative. I went to the next place. I said, I just got tested an hour ago. Yeah. And they said, no, we got to do it again. That's the protocol here. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to be one to fight protocol. <laughs> this is what your deal is. This is what your deal is, which is you know okay with me. Anybody who wants to be too careful is uh, perfectly good with me. Uh, one thing that I have heard a lot of this week is a flu shot talk. I mean, we're we're right in, at the season now where people need to be thinking about their flu shots, right? Yeah, this is this is our sweet spot right now. These next couple of weeks, and people say, "Well, what, what do you mean by that? And why would you even say that?" And you know, we know that the flu shot, how important it's going to be this year. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, our flu shot numbers for people who got flu shots in the past couple of years has dropped dramatically. You know, we'd love to have about 70% of the people get the flu shot, and unfortunately, we're down closer to 40%. But the sweet spot time is so that you have full immunity by the time you get to the holidays. So getting it prior to the end of October is key so that you're fully immune and that you're fully protected by the time we get to Thanksgiving, you know, one of the busiest travel holidays of the year. Uh, the other thing that I've heard uh, a surprising amount of is that uh, people are having uh, re- reactions more than usual with uh, their flu vaccines this year. Is there something unusual in this year's batch that's causing that to happen? No, it's nothing unusual in the batch because it's the same. But the interesting thing is we're looking at is people have been immunized quite a bit of, uh, during this time. And now is their immune system just peaked up so that anytime they're seeing something foreign, they're going to get a little bit more of a response. So we think of it as more of an immune response than it is any other side effect. So 
good and bad. I mean, unfortunate that some people are getting a little bit more side effects, but good knowing that the immune system is really kicked in and is very hypersensitive right now because of our COVID exposures and because of everything we've been doing for the past two years. Okay, we've got uh, some callers up at 312-981-7200. And uh, let me see here. Let's go to caller number one, uh, on line one. Uh, Barb, I think it is. You're on WGN. Hello. Hello. Uh, my company offered flu shots last week, and I got one, and I didn't think until this weekend. I'm over 65. I don't know if I got the booster or not. So if I didn't get the booster, what are my options? So, Barb, I want to make sure they have the right um, uh, answer to your question. You know, the flu shot that you got over the age of 65, you might be talking about the high-dose vaccine. In other words, those over 65, there's a general vaccine and there's a high dose. We strongly recommend anyone over the age of 65 to get the high dose, just because we know as we age, our immune system is not as supportive um, when we get a lower dose vaccine. So, you know, you're, I would probably not do anything right now. I guess I would check with them to see if they did do the high dose. If they did, we should be very relieved. If not, you know, you can look at revaccinating again, probably in January, but I would hold off and just see how you do. If you're a healthy 65-year-old, that regular vaccine may be good enough for you. But glad that you brought up the question because we want to make sure that seniors know to ask for that high-dose vaccine when they're getting the flu vaccine. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the call. The 708 area code says, my doctor received flu vaccines in late summer is it still as good as the supply that's being offered now at uh, drugstores? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the shots that he got last summer are the same classification, the same makeup as the shots for the entire year. Now, often we'll get them delivered in September, you know, even sometimes late August. I'm not a big fan of getting vaccinated at that time. I, I want to push it closer to the holidays to make sure that it carries me through the spring. Um, but certainly it's the exact same shot. They have not changed the flu shots since they came up with the formulation early in the spring, and the manufacturing process hasn't changed since then. So that vaccine that he has in his office is fine, and it's the exact same one that anyone else would be getting. Here is Laura. You are on the air with Dr. Kevin Most. Hi, guys. Um, Dean, you brought up how things are changing uh, in terms of people's reactions to things. And uh, for Dr. Kevin, I wonder, do you think that climate change has anything to do is showing up in people's health? And not necessarily regarding, uh, you know, uh, the reactions to vaccines, but just in general in a subtle way. Yeah, Laura, you know, you, you bring up a very good point and something that we often don't even discuss, and that's the impact of climate change. And, and I think that you probably have even seen it here, you know, in the past couple of years. As we look at now, we really don't have a season for some of these viruses. They'll take something like RSV, which is a classically something we see only in the winter. And this year we're seeing it year round. So is it that the viruses are getting smarter? Because really the change would be more more in viral. And I think the other thing with climate change is the world is getting smaller. So we're starting to see more individuals travel more, which using fossil fuels, using all the things for travel, certainly will have an impact in the health of, uh, of us as we move forward. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for your call, uh, Laura. 
Uh, one more real quick here uh, from the 708. How long does the flu shot take to actually make you immune? Yeah, it's a great question because some people wait till oh, I got exposed to the flu, I'm going to go get the shot and I'm going to feel like I'm protected. Really, our immune system will kick in within 10 to 14 days, and that's why we use that October 30, 31 day as our, as our kind of our get it by then so that we know two weeks later in the middle of November you have full immunity. Now, it varies in people, and you will get some immunity early on, but the vast majority of full immunity is going to take 10 to 14 days. All right, very good. I had my flu shot, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and normally I don't get any reaction whatsoever to a flu shot. This week for a couple of days, uh, it was just so tired, I, and I guess it's what you were talking about before when you have a reaction to uh, any kind of vaccine. It's your body reacting to what has now just been injected into it. Yeah, and Dean, you've had it, you've had the flu before, so you know that a day or two of feeling a little punky and lethargic is way better than ten days of influenza with yeah. one hundred and two fevers, body aches, and right. feeling absolutely miserable. Yeah, that's what I thought of the whole time that I was feeling a little bit lethargic. It's like, well, this is still better than uh, getting the full blown the flu. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Doctor Kevin Most is chief medical officer, Central DuPage Hospital, and uh, Kev, I hope you have a great Sunday today. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk soon.